Well, good morning. My name is Tim Hopper. If you don't know me, I'm the youth pastor here. Um, and we got a call yesterday about Pastor Mike and uh, his mom passing away. And so we definitely want to remember them in our prayers. Um, but uh, you got me this morning. I'm excited to be here this morning with you guys. Um, uh, it's, always, it's always a challenge last minute trying to come up here. But, uh, but I, do, I do love the opportunity to do that. Uh, but be in prayer for me as well this morning as, um, as I'm here with, uh, uh, filling in for Pastor Mike this morning. Um, in light of everything that's been going on, it just seems like this is incredible times that we're living in. Um, the Lord, I felt like, has led me to a particular passage of Scripture this morning. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't understand why. That may sound kind of weird. But I really do feel like the Lord let, laid this on my heart pretty heavily. So when the Lord lays something on your heart, uh, you listen. And so this morning, I'm, I'm sharing with you from a passage in the, in the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 15. So if you got your Bibles, I would invite you to, to look at this passage with me. So Luke chapter 15. Now, Pastor Mike's been in a sermon series on the family. And I want to share this verse with you real quick from 1 John. 1 John 4.20 says this. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's a pretty, pretty powerful verse there. And we could probably spend a whole, a whole hour just on that particular verse in and of itself. Um, but, it's, but it's very powerful and it speaks about our love for, for our brother. Now, when it says brother, it, you know, it's, it's meaning brother and sister. And, and of course, it does mean our literal family, brother and sister, that we should love one another. But it also extends much further than just our, our literal brothers and sisters to our spiritual family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, everyone who is born again of Christ, born by the Spirit, we're part of a spiritual family. And we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And as brothers and sisters of Christ, we are to love one another. And, and we have seen that love being displayed a lot uh, this week, especially in Waverly and different places where we've had many people come out and, and support and, and love and, and volunteering and serving. It's an incredible. But we have also other kind of things that have been going on. And our church has been going through some things since 2020. And there's a lot of things that have gotten our emotions all up and up upset. And we have found ourselves maybe at, at odds with each other on different issues. I think over the past couple of years, our patience has kind of run a little bit thin with each other. And I think we've allowed worldly things to come in and, and get in the way of our relationships. I think that we have forgotten what really truly draws us and binds us together. And it's not this building. It is not our politics. It is not even our moral values. What draws us and binds us together is Jesus Christ and his love for us and our love for him that also spills out in our love for one another. Jesus told us this in John 13, 35. By this... All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
My challenge for us this morning is this. Do we truly love our brothers and sisters? Or have we let our own pride, selfishness, and hard-heartedness get the best of us? There's uh, three statements that I wanted to read. I wrote these down in, in light of, of what we're going through. As I was studying this, these are the three statements or three maybe questions that I had for my own self, uh, for, for our church, and that I'd like to share with you this morning. Have we let our own self-righteousness blind us in our need of salvation? Number two, have we lost the mission, the father who wants to lavish his love out on sinners? Have we lost the mission of our father? And then number three, have our hearts become so hardened to our brothers and sisters in Christ? And so I want to look at this passage of scripture in Luke 15, but before I do that, let's bow in prayer. Lord, I just pray right now for this, this morning, Lord, as we've gathered here, Lord, as your people, God, we are yours. We belong to you. We are created by you. We are created in your image. We are valuable and we are loved. God, I pray that we would uh, realize how much this morning through your scripture, how much you really truly love us. God, help us to realize how much we truly need you. But God, I also pray that you would teach us how we need each other and how we need to love each other and encourage each other. So Lord, teach us through this, through your word this, mess, uh, this morning, Lord. God, we give our ears to you and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in the book of Luke. If you would look at the Luke chapter 15, and we're going to be beginning in verse 11. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to impoverished. He began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and, I, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put the ring on his hand 
and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. And I'm going to pause there for just a moment. This is a very familiar passage with us. Many of us probably heard this story many times, numerous times. This is a story about a father and his great love for his son. And how he sat and wait and ran to his son. And he loved his son and forgave his son. It's also a story about a wicked son who went out and, and squandered it. Even though he was sinful and rebellious and turned his heart against his father. It's about a wicked son who had uh, came and found forgiveness in his father's arms. But the story does not stop there. There's a second message to this story. Maybe even a more important message. And in order for us to understand truly what this message is in the ongoing text, we've really got to understand what's been happening uh, in, these, in, these, in this whole chapter of what Jesus was talking about. So just for a moment, let's go back in verse 1 and let's look in verse 1. In, John, in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus is sitting around with tax collectors and sinners. And he's eating with them. And he's fellowshipping with them. And he's talking with them. And all of a sudden, we have some Pharisees and some scribes come around him. And they began to grumble and they begin to complain and they can't believe that Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and with sinners. It just blows their mind that he was doing this. And Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, begins to tell three parables. The first parable he talks about is the parable with, uh, with the, the 99 sheep, where the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one lost sheep. And when he finds the lost sheep, he begins to celebrate and rejoice over finding the lost sheep. Then he tells a second parable about a lost coin. He's, in, he's telling the story about this, this uh, woman looking for a coin that she lost and she's tearing the house apart. I mean, flipping over tables and chairs and trying to look desperately for this lost coin. She gets out the broom and she's sweeping the entire house. And finally, she finds this lost coin and she's rejoicing and she's celebrating that she found this lost coin. And then Jesus tells the third parable. And he talks about the prodigal son, the son who left home, who squandered his father's wealth. And, and, and while living and basically came to the, his, his senses and realized that he needed uh, his father and came running back to his father and found forgiveness in his father's arms and about this lost son who came home. And there was great rejoicing and celebrating. And in all three stories, there was celebration and rejoicing. Everyone in the story was rejoicing and celebrating. Except in this last parable. There was one who was not. There was one who was not a part of the celebration. And in the culmination of all three parables, it's leading up to this very point right here in which Jesus is trying to make to the Pharisees and the scribes. And in the story, he's saying to them, you are that son. That is who you are. So let's take a look at this last son. And this is what we're going to be focusing on. And we're going to continue reading 
in verse 25 of chapter 15. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years, I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you always have been with me and all that is mine is yours. But he had to celebrate, but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. So let's just take a look at this elder brother here for just a second. Let's try to understand a little bit about this elder brother. So in the beginning, we see that he's coming in and he's hearing this music. He's hearing this, this festivity and all this celebration going on. And he's like, what is going on? He's been working out in the field. He's been working and striving and doing what his, his responsibilities were. And he's coming in and all of a sudden he finds out that long, crazy son of, uh, of, of his father, his brother, who has run off and squandered half their wealth, is now back. And the father's rejoicing and celebrating and he, because he's home. And he is angry. He is angry. That's what he says right here. In verse 20, he says that he is angry. And he was unwilling to go in. Now, at first glance, we'd probably be like in the same situation. We're probably like, yeah, I'd be probably angry too. Here I am at home doing all the chores and all the work. And there's my brother. He goes off and leaves. And I left me to do all this by myself. And probably at first glance, we'd be probably pretty angry too. We'd be angry at our brother leaving off. But I don't want you to miss this. He wasn't just angry at his brother. He was angry at his father. In response to his brother. He was angry at his father. As a matter of fact, his words displayed how he, how he felt in his heart about his father. He says, look. Or in some translations, look you. It was a very, uh, it was a very uh, demeaning and very uh, uh, terrible way of uh, addressing his father. It was not respectful at all. He was tearing down his 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 view and his uh, his honor of his father. He didn't he didn't think very highly of his father at all, and he didn't address him and respect him like he ought to, which was speaking a lot about what was in his heart and truly in his heart. He didn't. He didn't like his father right now. He was very angry at his father because he didn't like what his father was doing. He thought his father should be doing what he thought, not what the father thought. He said, you're not doing what I want you to do. And so he became angry at the father. Kind of reminds me of the story of, in the Old Testament of Jonah. When Jonah goes and God tells him he's going to you know, destroy the city of Nineveh. And Jonah goes and he finally... Uh, after disobeying him, he finally goes and preaches to the city of Nineveh, but Jonah becomes angry. He becomes angry at God because 
Jonah, Jonah didn't see God doing what he wanted him to do. Jonah wanted God to destroy Nineveh. That's not what God did. Instead, he shed compassion on Nineveh. And so that kind of a kind of that story kind of parallels with that, showing us how angry this brother is. He's angry at the father because he didn't do what he expected or what he thought that the father should have done. He's angry. But this anger is, is not a, a righteous anger. This is a selfish anger. You know, there's, there's times in our life that we need to be angry. And the anger is not wrong. Anger is just a feeling. But there are angers that are, that are righteous. And there are angers that, that should be. When we see uh, evil being done and when we see people being hurt, we should be angry. We should step up and have anger towards things. Because anger leads us to do something about it. And leads us to do and act in, in, in a way that helps people. Um, and so anger is good. When we have anger with things like, for example, of, of like abortion and things like that, it leads us to help and minister to people who are hurting and it helps us to stand up for human rights. It helps us to do those things. Anger is a good thing because it can lead us to do some righteous things. But there is also anger that is, that is selfish and self-centered. And the anger that this older brother here was very selfish and self-centered. And he actually displays it in, in the fact, fact that he wanted the father to do something for him. He wanted the celebration to take place. But he didn't want it for his brother. He wanted it for himself. He was angry at his father for not recognizing him and seeing him. He was angry at his father because, uh, because his father didn't do what he wanted and so many times we can find ourselves probably in the same situation of this elder brother where we get angry and we get angry at our father, our, our father in heaven, God, because it, life didn't go exactly the way we planned, the way we wanted things to go. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves in situations where like, God, why didn't you allow me to get this raise at work? God, why did you not bring so-and-so into my life? Why am I lonely? Why am I all left alone? Or God, why didn't you do this for me? Or, or God, why didn't you protect me from allowing this to happen? Why did these storms or these struggles or these problems happen? Why didn't you protect me? Or why didn't you do things differently for me? Why did you allow me to experience these things? And so we can quickly find ourselves in this same kind of anger towards God and towards our Heavenly Father because God didn't do the things that we wanted him to do. In studying this passage of scripture, I had to be real blunt and honest with my own heart. So many times I wanted to be the, the son, the young son who came running home. Who found forgiveness and who was celebrating it and, and feeling the experience of the love of the father. But I think so many times in looking at this passage, I see a lot of the elder son in me. I find myself on the outside Get, get, looks like I'm doing good and I'm doing righteous and I'm doing the right thing. But on the inside in my heart saying, God, that's not fair. God, that's not right. Why didn't you do this for me? Why did you allow me to have this or to have that problem or, or go through these things? So many times I wanted to be the other son. But in so many ways, I find myself as the elder son. So the elder son was very angry, but the, also the elder son was very prideful. Matter of fact, he told him, he goes, I have served you for so many years. I have done everything that you've commanded and I never got a celebration. You killed a calf. You killed a calf for the younger brother. I just wanted a goat. 
Just give me a goat. Let me celebrate with my friends. Why didn't, why didn't you give me anything? Why didn't you have a celebration for me? I was doing all the right things. It is at this moment in the story where we see a, the, 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 a true glimpse of the heart of this elder son. See, he was appearing to be righteous on the outside. He was appearing to obey the father on the outside. But on the inside, he was no different from the younger brother. He was no different from the younger brother. He was filled with self-righteousness, self-centeredness. He didn't really want to honor his father. He didn't really want to serve his father out of joy and love. He still thought he deserved something too. He is just as guilty of the same sin of the youngest son. You see, both sons are wicked and sinful. Both sons hated their father. Both sons resented their father's authority. Both sons wanted what was theirs. One demanded it, the younger one demanded it on the outside through his actions and his words and seemed hateful on the outside. But the younger brother hated it and wanted it, but it was on the inside. The heart was the same. They were both wicked sons. They were both just as evil. Neither of them were good. Both of them were, were evil towards their father. In this story, we find ourselves as, as, uh, as one of these sons. Some of us here are the, are the, is the youngest son who displays their sin on the outside. And we can know it and we can see it in our actions and in our words, and it's on full display. But many of us here also are like the oldest brother. We put on a good show. We put on a very good show. We hide it very well. And we think that everybody thinks that we're good and we see ourselves as good. And we put a good show on for everyone and all, all the righteousness and all the goods. But deep down in our heart, our heart is just as wicked and just as evil. And on the deep down, we're filled with envy we're filled with hatred and we're filled with pride. We tend to think that we're better than others. We're not like that younger brother over there. We're not like him. He ran off. He did that. I'm better than he is. But we're just as sinful. Our heart is wicked and evil. And because of that, we deserve the exact same punishment as the younger son. We just don't see it. Because we think we're more righteous than that. So let me ask a question here. One of the questions that I wrote down and read to you earlier. Have we let our own self-righteousness blind our need for salvation? Do we think that because we're in church and because we've been good and we're not like our other brothers and sisters of the family that mom and dad are having the trouble and trials with and, and just can't seem to get them on the right path. But, oh, yeah, here, here's the good son. Here's the good daughter. They're in church. They're acting good. And all the time we're up here putting on a show. And we're thinking, I'm good. And we forget that we desperately need Jesus. And we forget that we're not good. That there is no good in us at all. 
Has our own self-righteousness blinded the fact that we are lost? That we deserve just as much punishment for the sins that we committed as any drug dealer or prostitute or anyone out murderer out there has done? Do we even see how wicked that we really are? Or oh, we put on a good display. We put on a good show. But if we're depending upon our own self-righteousness, our own good behavior, our own good deeds to get us into heaven, we are mis gravely mistaken. Scripture says that it is not by our own merits, not by our own deeds that we enter into the Father's celebration and into his love and into his arms. It is on his righteousness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been given to us that we must embrace for salvation. You see, there is no other way into salvation except through Jesus Christ and on the work that he has done. But how many times do we think that, oh, I've got to get my life together. I've got to work harder. I've got to be better. I've got to do better. I've got to do this or that. And we try to work so hard on doing and, and, and being to please the Father or to please others when, when it's not by anything we can do. It's only through what Jesus Christ has done. And it's through the cross of Christ that we find ourselves in need of salvation. Jesus is the only way and it's his righteousness that we put all our confidence in, not me and not what I can do. So are we here standing on our own self-righteousness? Are we standing and are we crying out, Lord, I need your righteousness. I need you, Jesus. Sometimes it's so hard for us to see that when we compare ourselves to others because we think I'm, I'm better than that one. And so many times we think, I don't need it. I'm good. I'm good. Do we really see our own wickedness? So both sons were wicked. Both sons were evil. Both sons deserved punishment and rejection. But look at the father. And the first son, he comes running to the son. He comes pouring out his love to the son and forgiveness. But don't miss this. The father comes out for the second son as well. Look back at this passage. Look and see what his father says in verse 28. When, when he was unwilling to come in, his father came out and began pleading with him. The father came out to plead with the eldest son. The same father who just went out for the youngest son who came home, he came out for the oldest son. As well. Can you imagine the love of this father who loves his sons, these wicked sons, one in his action and one in his heart? He loves his sons and he pleads with his sons to come inside, to come into the celebration, come and find forgiveness, come and and he even tells this oldest son, just as he told the youngest son, he came to the youngest son. He says, here's my ring. Here's my sandals. Here's my robe. It's all yours. He goes to the oldest son. And, look, and you look at it right here in the scripture. He goes, everything that is mine is yours. He offers the same grace, the same love, 
the same forgiveness and the same invitation to come in. The same invitation was given to both. But the only thing that was stopping the oldest son from coming in was his own stinking pride. His own stinking pride. His pride was getting the best of him. His pride was keeping him out. He was unwilling to come in because he was unwilling to admit that he was wrong. What's keeping you out? What's standing in your way of coming in? What's causing you to not be brought into the invitation of the Father to come and celebrate, to rejoice, and to find joy? What is keeping you out? Again, the father was inviting his older brother to come in and join him. In verse 32, he says, but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. This was the father's greatest desire. His greatest desire was that his son would come home and his son had came home. This was the father's greatest desire. And his greatest desire for the oldest son was the same, to come inside, come in. This is what the father wanted. This is the will of the, our father in heaven as well. Matter of fact, Jesus tells us this in scripture. He says, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. And God wants us to join him in that. The question is, is, have we forgotten what the will and the desire of our father is? Have we forgotten the mission of the father who wants to lavish his love on sinners? Have we forgotten what God is calling us to do as Christians? Which is to go out and to love sinners. Which means that we've got to know sinners. If apart from your family, you do not know any sinners, that's a problem. How can you love sinners if you're not around sinners? How can you love sinners if you're never with them? God is calling us to go out and be with sinners. Jesus was sitting down eating with, with tax collectors and sinners he was loving them. He was talking to them. He was engaging with him. And God is calling us to go out and love these people. He is calling us to go out and to take the gospel to them. And guess what? It's going to be messy. It's not going to look good. They're not going to be perfect, little, moral people. Because they're lost. And they're living lost. But that's what God is calling us to go out to. The question is, are we going to go and love them? Are we going to truly reach them? And are we going to truly love them? John Piper says this. He says, are we willing to love this person as he really is? A messy, complex, unredeemed sinner. Or only as we want him to be for our own sake. Neat. Uncomplicated. And undemanding. It is so easy for us to become the older brother 
and look down on those who are not like us. It's so easy to compare ourselves and think we're better than them. And it's so easy for us to neglect them and to not get involved with them. But God is calling us to love them. So what do we got to do? Well, first of all, we've got to acknowledge our own self-righteousness, uh, self our own self-centeredness and our selfishness. And we need to come to the Father in repentance and ask the Father, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me when I've tried to do things on my own, thinking that I can earn your love, thinking that I could please you by the things that I do and not realizing that I am just as guilty of a sinner than any other person out here. Forgive me of my sins. And if you think here this morning that you think that you're getting to heaven because you've come to church, because you've been good, that you've been kind and you've been given and, and all this to other people, I want to tell you loud and clear, that is not going to save you. Your salvation is not based upon what you can do or how much you can give or what you, what you can offer. Your salvation is only based in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And there are far too many people who are in churches today who've, who've, who've relied on them being good, expecting to get into the celebration, expecting to be in heaven and one day find themselves in hell because they were not truly saved because they never pledged or gave their life and their love to Jesus Christ and trusted Jesus righteousness instead of their own. You need Jesus. And I beg you this morning to consider your heart. What are you putting your faith in? Are you putting your faith in your good works? Are you putting your faith in, in being good, being born in the right family, coming to church and doing all these things? Is that what you're putting your faith in? Or are you putting your faith entirely in Jesus, realizing that you are sinners? Paul, one of the greatest missionaries, says, I am the worst of sinners. And until we get to the realization of how bad and how wicked and how sinful we really are and how much we're in need of salvation... We're not going to put our faith in him because we're putting all of our faith in ourselves, thinking I'll make it there on my own. You cannot make it there on your own. It has to be through Jesus Christ. That's why we run to the father. That's the reason why we run to Jesus because only Jesus can save us. And so I plead with you, come to Jesus this morning. But secondly, we need to ask God to break our hearts for those around us who are lost. We are so caught up in our own family. I'm guilty of this as well because I've got a calendar, I've got a schedule and I've got all the things that I've got to attend and go to and be a part of. And I can get so focused on my own task and all the things that I have to accomplish and do every day that I can forget to love the people that are around me. And I ignore them and I don't think about them. We need God to break our hearts for those around us. Give us a heart for missions. Give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart for our own brothers and sisters who are hurting. Those who are just right next town over who are in need and help and are hurting. We have people that God is calling us to minister to, but it requires a heart that is broken and led by God. We need our heart broken for the lostness. We need our heart broken for those who are hurting, for our own brothers and sisters. God is calling us to love other people. 
It's so easy for us to get caught up in all the things around with politics and with all the things, mask and no mask and all this stuff. We get so wrapped up in all these things that, that we become resentful for, from one another. Even our own brothers and sisters in Christ, we become resentful and hateful towards each other. But God wants us to love each other. Remember, he says, they will know you by your love. They will know you by your love. It means that we need to encourage each other. We need to spur each other on to run to the Father. We are both wicked sons. We are both in need of the Father. We are both running the same race. We need him. In 2012, a Kenyan runner by the name of Abel Mutai was competing in a cross-country race in Navarre. He was in first place and he was just about a few feet from the finish line when he became confused with the signage. And so he thought he had finished the race, so he stopped. There was another guy coming up behind him. This guy's name was Yvonne Fernandez. Yvonne was running up behind him and he saw what was happening. And so he began to shout at the Kenyan runner. And he was saying, you're not done. Keep running. But, but the, the Kenyan could not understand of, um, Yvonne's, what he was saying because Yvonne was, was Spanish and he was speaking Spanish and, and the Kenyan runner couldn't understand Spanish. So he didn't understand. So Yvonne ran up behind him and he began to push him to the finish line and allowed him to win first place. Mutai won the victory that day. And reporters were asking him, why did he do that? You could have taken first place. And he says, it was my, not mine. It was not mine. He could have took advantage of Mutai's weakness. He could have looked out for his own self-interest. He could have run that race and got the glory and got the attention and got the victory. But instead, he chose kindness and love. And he pushed his fellow Kenyan brother across the finish line. With everything that's going on in our world today, we all have difference of opinions. We all have our different point of views. And we may disagree on a lot of different things, but we must remember what joins us together. And that is Jesus Christ. And his love for us and our love for each other. We need each other and we need to encourage each other. And we need to show that kindness and love to each other, spurring each other on to finish the race, to cross the line, to run to the father, to find his love. We need that more now than ever.